I think people need to to live their own story. I so easily conform to other people, whether it's friends or relationships. And I realized in the past couple of years that I never truly lived in the way that I feel like God wanted me to. I was just living in the way that like if I was either dating somebody, I was like, oh, well, they're doing this, so I'll do that. And God was like, you're not getting it. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. Today's episode is featuring Jacqueline Castle. She is the founder of Intertwine Media, a filmmaker and passionate drummer that has built a large following on her YouTube channel about performing her favorite covers. Today's episode, we talk about a lot of things, but we talk about drumming, dealing with anxiety, how to be yourself no matter what, the power of prayer, what 2020 has looked like for her as a freelancer, and so much more. So let's get right to it. Episode 34 begins now. What made you get into drumming? I didn't pick up a drum at first. I did pick up hangers and I put trash cans together in my parents' garage with my stepbrothers. And I loved Stomp. Like Stomp, when I first saw Stomp in probably middle school or even elementary school, I don't remember. I was like, I don't know how they're doing this, but I need to do that. And I never saw Stomp live or anything like that. But when I saw the movie or whatever, we didn't have YouTube yet, so it wasn't on YouTube, but I just knew that I wanted to do something with rhythm. And so my stepbrothers and I would put together trash cans and we grabbed hangers and we'd make these like little stomp-esque like little shows and we would show our parents. And then one day, I don't know how many months after that, I asked my parents for a drum set for Christmas and they were definitely like, eh, I don't know, you'll never play it. And then they're probably thinking it's going to be loud. It's just going to collect dust, which it actually did both of those things. But I did actually play it. It collected dust only because it was like it was in the garage. But <laughs> I did play it. And um, yeah, I guess like the rest is history. I took a few lessons and um, I just always it's funny because I can't really dance, but I have rhythm. So it's like I don't know how that happened and I don't know who I got it from, but it worked out. <laughs> So when was the first time that you ever, do you remember, maybe it was Facebook, maybe it was Instagram, maybe it was YouTube. When was the first time you ever actually, actually like put out a piece of content of you behind the drums and what was it? Yeah, I feel like it was definitely YouTube. YouTube was very new, which definitely um, worked to my advantage when I started posting for sure. Because I was, I was definitely one of the first female drummers. And I didn't like, oh, like she's, she's saying she's one of the first. But I'm serious. Like I couldn't find any other drum covers or videos on YouTube that were girl drummers at the time. And then obviously as time went on, it got very oversaturated and now it's like almost impossible. Like there's just so much content. But, um, the first video I ever posted, I can't remember what song it was, but it was a cover. And the only reason why I posted on YouTube was because I wanted to send it to family, which is pretty much how everybody stumbled into YouTube because it was like, well, what else would I upload it to YouTube for? Like nobody's watching my videos, right? So I just uploaded it to send a family. And then as time went on, I started to upgrade my gear. I started to get better at the drums because it was terrible at first. Like my first drum videos are really bad, but you know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like at all that there's this, I don't, I don't know, like this feeling that social media or this idea of specifically even like TikTok and drumming. I've seen a lot of like drummers on TikTok that whereas you and I, when we were kids or when we were younger, 
like we were doing things purely because we wanted to do them or maybe to impress a friend or something like that. But now I can't imagine being a kid and having the thoughts the kids have and the lack of like kind of grasping reality of being so motivated just to drum just because they want followers or just because they saw something. Like, do you feel like that's true for drumming or not so much that, that it's some people are being motivated simply by the opportunity to grow on social media. So I definitely think that social media has affected the way that people go about that because I specifically know people that post certain things say on TikTok, and it's very novelty what they're doing. Um, It's not to say that they're not talented because they have taken maybe the, the aspect of whatever they're doing on TikTok that might be silly or funny related to the drums. They're still applying their skill elsewhere. So like they may be pulling in an audience that wants to see them do something crazy with the drums, but on the flip side, they play for XYZ band and that's how they're bringing in, you know, an audience. So that's cool. Having said that, I do think that some people go in with the wrong idea because they're just thinking, well, I'll just grow an audience and get famous and then I'll concentrate on being good at the drums, which I myself got caught up in because when I started getting an audience on YouTube, I was then just posting covers to post covers um, and not even, and there were to songs that I didn't even like. And I was just doing it because I felt this weird pressure that I put on myself to post content because I had an audience that wanted to see content. So after a while, I actually got burnt out because it was like, I'm literally just stressed about finding the time to go record a cover just to record a cover instead of, hey, like when's the last time I sat down and learned a new skill or a new fill or whatever, new technique on the drums? Like, you know, and that still happens today. Like I'll still go record like mini covers for my Instagram and whatnot. And I'll just sit down and I'll be like, I don't even like this song. What am I doing? I'm just feeling the pressure to post something to kind of keep up because I feel like that's all that's happening right now. People are just trying to keep up with the amount of content that's being put out because they feel like they don't have another option. But I do know people that don't post content super often, but their audience is super committed to them. You know, I mean, for example, I watch a bunch of different vloggers that will literally post about what they ate for lunch and people will watch it. I've watched it. Like, I don't know why, but I do. But it's because people it's sort of like brand loyalty. Like if you buy, um, you know, Starbucks coffee all the time, you love the brand, you're going to go buy Starbucks over Dunkin'. So it's sort of the same thing to where you create this brand loyalty to somebody on the internet to where you've been watching their vlogs or drum covers in this sense for years and years. So you feel like, well, I need to keep up with their life. So I wish that there was a way to like desaturate the YouTube or even social media in general, like desaturated because there's just so much um, because I feel like it is in a way taking away the natural creative ability from people because they're just so consumed and well, I haven't posted yet today. Like, so I need to post something to stay relevant. So it's, it's definitely like a tug of war. What has 2020 been like for you? Like what, what are some highs? What are some lows? What are some things that maybe you learned about yourself or that happened in your life that were, I don't know, unexpected or maybe wouldn't even have happened had, we'll call it just 2020 in general had never happened. Tell me about Jackie in 2020. I feel really guilty when I talk about this topic um, because despite all of the things that have been going around like in the world this year, I mean, there's been so much going on so much been that's been devastating for so many people and for myself in ways. Um, 
you know, this year started in Nashville. We had that tornado run through here. Um, and little did we know that was just the beginning of 2020. Uh, but to be quite honest, though, um, 2020 has been probably the best year of my life. And like, I don't say that lightly, like it really so many things um, just kind of really fell into place between figuring out my career, because this year was the first year that I went like full freelance with uh, videography. And, um, you know, I landed a few great gigs with that at the like the first month of the year. Um, And then, you know, as the year progressed, I was just growing with, you know, it within that career. And it really made me feel like really confident in making that decision. So that started out the year pretty well. And then as the year went on, I had a lot of like friendships and relationship stuff really resolve themselves, like not really by themselves. Like I had to make efforts in certain areas, but there were a lot of things that happened in previous years, you know, maybe like friendships fell off or maybe relationships like breakups or whatnot, and they hadn't been resolved and just kind of like hanging on me. And so I kind of took some authority in some of those areas and said, Hey, like, I want to make this right. Or maybe the other person said that maybe they made amends. So it was kind of cool to see, um, some relationships sort of like, um, you know, amend to be amended. Um, and then, uh, at the beginning of the year, I told myself that I wanted to get baptized this year and then COVID happened. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But I remember like praying about it one day and God was like, it's going to happen in October, which I thought was really weird. It's like, okay, well, whatever. Cool, God. And then October rolled around and uh, the belonging where we go to church, they were like, hey, we're doing baptisms next week. And I was like, that's October 11th. And God was like, I told you. And so that was amazing. That got to happen. And um, that was probably the best moment that I had this year because it's something that I really want to do for a couple of years. I mean, I've been baptized as a baby, but it was something that I wanted to do as an adult, consciously aware, like baptized. And so I got to do that. Um, And I think just there was so much personal growth this year in so many areas of my life that I, I just don't, I can't say anything bad about 2020. Like I can't, you know, I mean, I very easily could, But in retrospect, I feel like it would be, I feel like it would be disrespectful for me to say, hey, 2020 sucks. Because one thing that really bothers me, and everybody has a right to say that 2020 sucked. Like, I I totally get it. I'm not trying to discredit things going on and that people maybe had the worst year of their life. But one thing that really does bother me, though, is when people go, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over and 2021 to start. Because the reality is, the only difference is, a day in a calendar. And so, you know, there might be things going on in the world that we certainly can't control, which we know to be true, but it's, if it all in your mind comes down to a day, like it's just, you got to change your mindset because like for me, like I could have easily been like, Hey, I don't have work. Like all of June, July and August, like I had virtually almost no work. And I could have easily just given up or whatever, but I said, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I can to make this happen. Maybe I got to stay up till three in the morning, watch YouTube videos on how to do this certain video technique or do this after effects thing. And I just like did, because I think I got tired of like my own excuses really, truly. So sure. I hope 2021 is better for everybody in general, um, in the world. Um, but at the same time, start changing things now, like in, for what you can control. I have so many questions based on, or things I want to know more about that you said. So we'll just go in the order that you talked about them. So you talked about this year being the first full year that you decided to go full-time freelance with video. 
this is actually my first full year doing that as well. I got a half year last year. Mm. What was that like? I, I want to hear more about that because I don't want to say that I regretted doing what I did because I, I don't because it's ultimately what I love. But I would be lying if I didn't say there were certainly days or times where I was like, man, like maybe I made the wrong decision. I, you know, similar kind of what you shared about June, July, August, not having work. Like, you know, I moved to this new city, Nashville to start going on tours. I had invitations from, you know, an, some artists to, to do that. And all of a sudden it canceled, you know, cause of COVID. And so it was like, yes, I feel like I'm, I'm talented enough to get work, but I kind of, came here with the sole reason of I actually had a job to come to <laughs> and then now I'm in a new city I have no friends I have no professional network no one knows who I am because I was kind of counting on going on these tours to kind of build up a small little portfolio or some reputation in the town because that's just how Nashville works um and I was like dang did I make a wrong decision so what was this first full year you're like you for for freelance so I also feel a little bit guilty on this topic, too, because the way that I ended up getting the first freelance gig that I got um, was from one of my followers on social media followed my uh, first client. I worked out on a farm for a YouTuber and uh, her name is Anne of All Trades, super talented woodworker. Um, and I worked for her for about eight months filming her YouTube videos and one of my followers followed her and also followed me and she had posted on her story like, hey, I'm looking for a videographer full time and all this kind of stuff. And so he sent me her story. And so I replied to her. And as I replied to her, she replied to me because he sent, you know, her my contact info. And so literally like I went out there maybe two days later and she hired me basically on the spot. You know, we had like a, a trial period or whatever of like doing a few videos, but um, it was a really great fit. And that was the best thing that could have happened. Uh, you know, that gig, I mean, to be quite honest, the first video I ever did for her, I didn't even know how to adjust my ISO correctly. I didn't know how to adjust my shutter speed correctly. Like I feel like compared to then to now, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew the differences and a lot of people you know, need to hear something like this is I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, you know, as I make quotes with my fingers, but I knew what I wanted to make. Like when I went into that gig, I knew what I wanted her videos to look like. I knew the style that I wanted to go for. And so I was willing to do whatever it took to get that result. So, you know, I, I literally remember we filmed something in a garage and there were these fluorescent lights, which if your shutter speed is way too high, they're going to be blinking they're going to be, you know, sh uh, strobing. And so sure, sure enough, my shutter speed was too high. And so I got home and I was trying to slow down that clip because I shot it in like 120 frames per second. And I looked at, it, I was like, well, we're not using any of that slow-mo B-roll because I screwed that up, but I didn't tell her. And she didn't know. I eventually told her, but I didn't told, tell her in the moment because I said, well, I'm just going to make this video the best it can be because it really still was a good video despite some of the B-roll I couldn't use. But as I went, I made all these rookie mistakes and that's, I'm so thankful for that gig because I had a boss that was so patient with me. Not that I like, you know, totally screwed up, but there were small things that I would notice and I'd be like, man, I have to do that better because like she deserves better. And so as I went, I learned all these small little things, you know, check the lavalier mic. Are you, are you going to be in like, literally <laughs> this will never happen to anybody else probably, but I literally filmed a scene with her where she was 
standing in a hole that was drilled for she's building this new shop. And I was standing in a hole and the lavalier mic receiver was on her hip. She was below the hole. Her hip was below the hole. And so the receiver is on my camera and I'm above the hole and that they can't talk to each other. You're not getting audio. And guess who wasn't monitoring audio with headphones? Me. So we filmed this whole like voiceover and I get inside and I had to tell her like, hey, you're probably going to fire me today, but uh, we got to redo all of that, you know? And she was like, oh, it's no problem. No big deal. But I was like, I know that you say it's not a problem, but it's a, it's a problem to me because like you hired me to do this and I screwed up. But, you know, if you don't experience those small mistakes, well, I mean, seemingly small, <laughs> you're not going to learn. Um, and so the thing is, is, going into that gig, it did fall into my lap and I'm so thankful for it. Um, but I think that if it wasn't for that gig, I wouldn't have learned as quickly as I did because it was, I call it boot camp. Like I was literally in boot camp for like eight months doing those videos because we would push out a video, maybe two videos if we were lucky a week. Um, and so, and those like long filming days cause they're long projects on a farm, like building a chicken coop or whatever. So that was how I started freelancing. Um, and I got really lucky because as you know, getting a full-time gig like that as a videographer is very rare. So, um, and it, if you do get a full-time like that, you're usually like supplementing on the side with something else. I didn't have the time to do that. Um, and so it was just a, it was a really good experience. And so since then, like early August, I would now say that I'm actually freelancing because I'm jumping from gig to gig. And that's been definitely a challenge for sure. Um, I've had some friends that have taken me on gigs to shoot some BTS, some behind the scenes footage, which actually is one of my favorite things to do because I get to be a sponge without the pressure of really any other responsibilities like the director might have, you know, so I'm just kind of there observing, but also like doing my thing and just shooting some video, shooting some photo. Um, and I really love that. So it's been a challenge. I've picked up some editing gigs too, which has been really great. That's my whole November was one big editing project for a documentary but I miss shooting, so I'm looking to get back to that. What was it like spending the majority of this year while starting out on a farm? Because I feel like a lot of people... It was awesome. Yeah, a, a lot of people, especially we'll call it March and April, were like, we just got to get out of the city. We need to get away. We need to learn how to do our own this, that, and the other, live off the land. And like here you were already doing it. So like, what was it like? It was amazing because it was like the second that I stepped on that farm... And I was like hanging out with mini donkeys. It was like, is anything bad going on in the world? I mean, truly, like that sounds terrible, but it was very uh, relaxing. I'm a type nine on the Enneagram, so I thrive in environments. This sounds so lame, uh, but I thrive in environments that are like calm and like serene and like I have my space and I can kind of do my thing and nobody's like super pressuring me. So literally working on a farm is like the most ideal situation. I remember filming... Uh, one of the first videos we did, we were filming out in the middle of the field at like sunset. And I was just like, is this really my job? Cause this is great. Like I could just chill out here all day. And like, there's little goats running around. Like, uh, I was actually there for the birth of some baby goats, which was amazing. So then we had a bunch of like baby goats hopping around. Like I was like, is this my job right now? It was really, really great. Um, it, it was kind of like a distraction from everything that was going on. Obviously with COVID going on, it really helped that we were also outside the whole time. So didn't really have to worry about that what do you feel like is the balance between having this kind of we'll call it out in the field on a farm at sunset lifestyle of like everything's great nothing can hurt me out here but also having the responsibility of keeping up with what's going on in the world because i feel like 
we all want to be the person in the field and not saying that we're not, but I, I just feel like that there's a lot of people that this year have either intentionally ignored certain things about a varying amount of different topics and just said, Oh, it doesn't exist. And then there's some people that have gone way over, you know, the opposite direction and have cared way too much. And it can tell you every fact about what's the new CDC guidelines or what's this, that, the other. And I don't even know if I want to put words in your mouth or, or try to influence you say, Oh, it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe it actually is. But what do you feel like for you is, is that balance between living in the moment, being present in the world that God's called us to but also not letting things overwhelm you or... I think it's kind of exactly what you said. Like, I mean, for me, I always just look to God. That's something that totally transformed me this year because I'm always somebody that's in my head. I'm always trying to lean on my own understanding all the time. Like, sometimes I just can't even help it. And I have to stop myself and, and just remind myself that I'm not in control. I can only be so much in control or think that I am, but ultimately, like, I'm not. And, you know, I think that like our church, the belonging does this really well. You know, it's, it literally just all comes down to the gospel. It comes down to just loving people. Obviously common sense comes into it too. Um, and I think that like, it, it doesn't, it sounds so cliche. It's like, it's not left or right. You know, I think to an extent, like it can be because some of like my personal beliefs are going to be more right just for what you know what i believe i'm a christian and stuff like that but i don't think that it just stops there it, it doesn't like because i i don't even really like to put that label on myself because i live my life how i feel that like god has created us to love people and as cliche as that sounds it's like it's that's the easiest thing that you can do every single day just be a good person it's free like it doesn't take anything to respect people and love on people. And if Jesus were sitting here right now, he would literally be like, good job. You learned something. Awesome. High five. But I think that it was really interesting to see the contrast this year between being on a farm and being really disconnected from everything. And then driving home at night to my condo in downtown Nashville and sitting down at my iMac and looking at the city and being like, there's chaos that's happening. You know, because it's so easy to forget about and this is like when, you know, some of the riots were going on and stuff. And it was so easy to just disconnect and like forget that that was going on. But the reality is, is like we also can't ignore the thing that's, things that are going on. And I think one a large misconception that people have, especially about Christians, because we're like, hey, we need to pray about stuff, which I firmly believe in prayer wholeheartedly. And a lot of people take that as, um, you know, an aside to just like push things away. Um, and I, I personally believe it's, it's the opposite. And I just, I feel like people have gotten just this wrong vibe from Christians that we just want to push things away. Oh, just pray about it. It's like, but if people really knew the power of prayer, I think that, I mean, the whole world would change truly. I think one of the things that I've really tried to hold myself accountable to this year and, and need to continue doing every year for the rest of my life is really thinking about the contents, occasion, and frequency of my prayer life. I started kind of having these thoughts of like, I wondered, you know, if you were able to get a transcription of my prayers, how many of them are solely based on me seeking this kind of external remedy to this internal issue that I'm facing in my life? Or how many of them are based on me facing, you know, just a hint of adversity or disappointment in my life? And immediately wanting it to to end right then and there, being like, God, like, 
take me out of this situation, you know, just moments into this. And I think that you did say it best when you referenced that verse talking about, you know, God knowing our hearts and our desires before we even ask for him. And, and I feel like that it does, you know, move God when he knows we're actually truly praying about something that we're truly believing for, desiring, or, or, or wishing for in our life. However, I just, I feel like we've all done such a poor job of celebrating and championing those in the Bible that have faced immense adversity, yet the moment we ourselves are faced with just the smallest thing, or even a really big thing that we're trying to go through, we're immediately, you know, asking or praying for this external remedy for this thing to pop into our life. And I just don't want my understanding of God to be this wish granter genie type character because I think we actually then forgo truly getting to know him on an intimate and deeper level because he is so much more and so much bigger than simply this person that is going to present our significant other or uh, present a higher paying job or, or anything like that because he's just created us to be more than that. He's created us to be more than earthly, you know, successful measures. And it's not that those things are bad, but I've just caught myself and I've seen a lot of people, you know, that are solely talking about the only times they're praying are for these external things. And I just want my prayers to be about having this greater understanding of him and this greater clarity on his ways and seeking revelation for what I'm going through and about asking him to guide me through this situation rather than asking for this external remedy to pop up tomorrow in a miraculous way, or rather than asking for him to stop it right then and there, but truly believing that he is who he says he is and that he does have a bigger plan for my life than even I know and his ways are greater than my ways. And so it's not a mistake that he's allowed certain trials or tribulations to come into my life. And I don't want to just simply wish those away because I think that we can learn so much about ourselves in those moments. And I hate that that is our first response, or at least my first response so many times and time again, is, oh my gosh, God, get me out of this situation, answer this prayer right then and there, rather than God, help me understand what this is in my life for, what is the purpose, what can I learn, and get me through this situation. Think about all the situations that you've been in that have been so terrible, because everybody experiences terrible situations and things that you know, whether it's heartbreak or you lost, maybe you're grieving and some, you lost a family member. I mean, think of some of the darkest places that you've been in and think about what your life would be like if you hadn't been through those dark moments. I, I mean, I think about some of the things that I had experienced and I know I portray this like very happy person on social media, but like the reality guys is like, it's not like that. Like we all know that everybody goes through their own stuff. Um, and it's, that's just life. And I think about some of the things that I've gone through, like I've experienced like extreme anxiety. Um, I've had panic attacks, you know, I've had all those things. And a lot of people don't know that I've tried to be more transparent about it in, you know, the past couple of years, because it's something I'm really passionate about, about helping people. And that's the thing, if I hadn't gone through any of that, and cause I truly believe I went through a lot of it because God wanted to use me for other people, you know? And so it's like, when you're going through something that might be so terrible, instead of saying like, God, why me? Why me? It's like, maybe you're going through this because you're supposed to be somebody else's yes to prayer, right? Like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this anxiety. And then, you know, somebody like me shows up and I off try to offer some advice or maybe I can help, you know? And so when you look at it that way, I mean, because that's what I truly, why I truly believe I went through something like that. Um, but as far as like prayer goes, um, I think that, well, two things. One, I think it's really important to have a prayer journal because I used to do that a lot. 
And it's really cool to go back, say at the end of the year or whatever, and look at the prayers that you've written down and seeing how many yeses or maybe like you've gotten no's to prayer. But I've looked back at prayer journals and I've been like, wow, literally all of those prayers were answered in some way or another. I think something really important for people to remember is that you may think that you know what you want because you might be praying, you know, for X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. But the truth of the matter is like God knows what you need. And I've been saying that a lot on social media lately because a lot of things have happened this year in my life where I'm like, whoa, I wanted this, but God wanted that for me instead. And to be honest, everything that's worked itself out this year, I've been like, wow, that is so much better than my plan. So I think that when I pray, and sure, we pray for silly things sometimes, but it's not silly to God because he knows the desires of your heart. And that's what's really important to remember because one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray is God search my heart because nobody knows your heart more than God knows your heart. So you can pray all you want about like, you know, maybe you want a Lamborghini or you want that. But if God knows that that's not going to be good for you and your salvation, it's not going to happen. But maybe it will. Like, you know, there's, it's so crazy the way that I've sort of been through, you know, all this stuff this year with COVID, like all of us have been experiencing this crazy stuff in this world. And yet this year, I feel like I've been the strongest in my faith because everything that's been going on in the world has changed my perspective on how I should be going about my life. Because when things like this do happen in the world, it really makes you think about, hey, I live in a super broken world, you know, and this isn't going to last forever. I'm not going to last forever on this earth. So I need to start concentrating on like what is going to last. And in our case, like, you know, going to heaven is pretty important. <laughs> and um, that's, you know, why I really started concentrating on like, you know, this is the year I want to get baptized. And I set that goal before I even knew COVID was even a thing, you know. And so it's just kind of interesting when God has a plan for your life, he's going to make it happen regardless of anything that's going on in the world. Talk me through your decision and however much or little you want to share is up to you. Talk, talk me through about the baptism thing, because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so I, I was brought up Catholic uh, as a young child and went through the whole Sunday school catechism and did the communion and confirmation and all that. And I started going to a non-denominal church when I was about 15 or 16. And that's when I really believed that I was saved. I felt like things clicked for me. Um, it, like they had never had before that. And I, I just like got it, you know, all of a sudden I just understood like who Jesus was and what it meant in my life. And so I'd, I had been a believer since then and I had gone through, you know, college and just kind of like, yeah, I'll go to church whenever I'll pray whenever I want. I'll just, you know, I had, I usually say like had one foot in the church and one foot in the world type thing. And I wouldn't even say it was quite that because I only went to church when I really felt like it I only prayed when I really felt like it or felt like I needed to. And you know, like the truth of the matter is like a lot of people live their life like that. Sometimes I still do. I feel like now, like I don't because it's, it's become such an integral part of my life, but I just got to a point where I'd gone through things and dealt with all the anxiety and whatnot that I spoke about earlier and I just got to a point where when I moved to Nashville and I started going to the belonging, uh, that church, like, and this is not a belonging co-advertisement, but that church, like, truly changed my life and how I viewed Jesus. And um, 
I just, I have only good things to say about the things that I've learned from their teachings there at that church. And I just kind of got to a point where I felt, cause I, I had a friend uh, that I met with a couple weeks or maybe a week before my baptism. And uh, my friend, Sarah Gerald, she uh, goes to TB Co. Um, she was the first small group leader that I came in contact with. And we've been like friends since, and she's just such a, a servant leader, like in my life. And she said, when I think about baptism, I think about it being a wedding ceremony between you and Jesus. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is the best uh, analogy that I've ever heard for that. And like, it literally almost like brought me to tears because I was like, wow, like this is what I feel like is necessary for me to move on to like the next like stage of my life, whatever that might be. And that's when, because I, I knew that I wanted to get baptized, but I truly like don't like being in front of a bunch of people. Like I know I play the drums, but like, I actually hate attention being on me. So I was like, Oh, it's going to be in front of a bunch of people. But like, I really want to do this. And I think that doing that in a public setting, it's like a public declaration, but it was really like just for myself, truly, of course. But like, I didn't want any family there. I didn't tell my family that I was signing up for it. My dad happened to just be into town and in town the week before. And so like, I couldn't help but to tell him cause I felt guilty that I wasn't telling him anybody and that he was going to leave. So I told him and he actually stayed for it, which was like really, really nice. But I just didn't want it to be about anything other than between me and Jesus. You know, I started to feel weird about it. I was like, I just, maybe somebody should just baptize me in my pool or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, it was really meaningful. And I think that looking at it in a perspective of marrying Jesus, essentially, you know, I think that's such a cool way to explain that. And anytime somebody asks me that, that's what I tell them. What was it specifically about you talking about being 15 and things kind of finally clicked for you when you went to the non-denominal church? Like, what were those things that clicked for you that really opened your eyes to Jesus or to God or to, hey, I want to go in a different direction with faith in general. Like, like what was that? I think for the first time, instead of sitting in a church and listening to a priest recite uh, words, because that's all it felt, you know, to me when I was young, I was like, because no, nobody was giving me substance behind the words. It was just words, you know? And so I think that because I started to go to a church where they were teaching like, hey, this is this Bible verse and this is how it can be applied to your life. It started to force me to think differently. Um, instead of, hey, this is a book that you can read. It was, hey, this is words that you can live by. And so that had never really been taught in that way to me. So I think that's sort of when that door opened. And it's funny because it wasn't like that day it clicked and I was good. I mean, I, I that was what, um, 28 now. So like 12 years ago. So like the last 12 years, just living life and going through things and just experiencing trials and hardships and also really, really great moments. I mean, even now more than ever, I have learned to praise God in joyous moments. Like anytime something happens, I'm like, thank you, thank you, God, thank you, God. Because there's so much to be said about praising God for the things that he is doing because it's so easy to say, oh, well, this is great, this is great, okay, cool, but I'm only going to pray when things are bad. Um, but there's so much to be said about praising God when he is good, which he's good all the time. Sometimes it's hard to see that. But, you know, I think that it's that's a really vital thing. How have you or how can we 
do a better job of not just reposting the quote that spoke to us to our Instagram story, not just getting motivated listening to podcasts by awesome quotes like what you said. Like, how can we actually bring these things into our life every day and start to live them out rather than letting them be in our head for 30 seconds, a few hours, like the day, how can we, how have you been able to change your mindset this year? Cause you've seen to do it really well. I think people need to, to live their own story. I think it's so easy to, because I do this as a type nine, if you want to talk about the Enneagram, I so easily conform to other people, um, whether it's friends or relationships and I realized in the past couple of years that I never truly lived in the way that I feel like God wanted me to. I was just living in the way that like if I was either dating somebody, I was like, oh, well, they're doing this, so I'll do that. And God was like, you're not getting it. And I never really took authority. And that's sort of like my, my big word for 2020. Authority was a huge thing for me because I've always sort of just been the, oh, I'll just be behind the scenes. I'll just kind of like figure it out. I'll just work this nine to five job at this startup and it'll be fine. Until I like woke up one day and I was just tired of my BS. Like just in short, I was just tired of living a life where I was having anxiety all the time and I was afraid of things that just didn't even exist. I mean, anxiety is just, it's not even, I don't want to say it's not real. I don't want to like make people angry, but a lot of things that I was anxious about were just, I mean, literally wasted a ton of brain cells just worrying about something that wasn't even a worry, you know? And so I just got tired of dealing with my BS and I woke up one day and I said, you know what? And this was the end of 2019. And I said, you know what? It's like, I'm just going to do something about it. And I think that's where I've had people message me and ask me like through my DMs or whatever, because I've been very open about, you know, having anxiety and dealing with stuff. And I've always told people, if you need somebody to talk to like feel free. And I truly mean that. Like if anybody's listening to this and you have questions about any of that stuff, like shoot me a DM or whatever. Um, because I've been there and I get it. And I think that this year when I started the year I just really wanted to be my own person like that sounds so cliche but I truly realized that I had never really done that because I just had been living very mediocre it's like whatever happens is just gonna happen and I'll just work this job and whatever and then I was like what do you really want to do Jacqueline like what do you actually want to do with your life because nobody's stopping you from really doing any of this surely now like okay you can't really like travel as much and do whatever but to be honest like all the goals that I set at the beginning of 2020 there's only one that I haven't done that's because I couldn't travel to Ireland for a wedding that I was supposed to go to but that would have been cool but it's not the end of the world it's getting rescheduled for next year but um I think it's just so important for people to live true to themselves. And like, I would say as a Christian to live in a way, like let God show you you what direction that you should go in. And if you're not religious, I would just say live authentic to who you are. And there's so many small things that we sweat all the time. And I do it every day. Like I'm always in my head, but I've worked on it. I've gotten better, but I think it's just so easy to get caught up. And, you know, I, for me, 
standing in authority and being like, this is what I want to do this year and doing whatever I can to do it. Cause that's the thing. There's so many uh, worldly things that came into play this year, but yet I was like, I'm still going to try to do this. And I did. And granted, maybe I just got lucky with that because, you know, I work in video and actually the video industry, I feel like went up this year considering everything that's been going on. Um, but perspective is, is really key. Yeah. I feel like my biggest takeaway from what you just shared was, you kind of decided to live your life or you made things happen in your life rather than solely letting things happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just like worked, worked around things. Like if certain things couldn't happen, I said, okay, so what, what can I do instead? You know, instead of sitting at home and like crying about it or something, which I don't really cry a lot, but (laughs) I feel like if I did, this would have been the year to do that. (laughs) It sounded like there was a thing or a few things that happened to you where it got you to that point where you're like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Did it take you kind of hitting rock bottom or hitting the bottom of kind of you doing things the way that always had been done for you to to change? Was it a sermon? Was it a verse? Like what ended up pushing you over the edge? Because I feel like myself included sometimes is like we'll say things or we'll watch something or maybe listen to something we agree and we're like, yeah, I need to change. But then we don't. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't know. For a lot of people, there's a lot of different reasons why that happens. But for you, was it, did you have to bottom out or or what was, you talked about kind of how you changed, but like what or why really made you change that? I think it was collectively a few things. I think there was like a lot of broken relationships. There's heartbreak, um, you know, coupled with, you know, having anxiety and going through, Uh, you know, having anxiety attacks and having it literally limit what I was doing. Like I wouldn't fly because I was terrified of having an anxiety attack on an airplane, which by the way, has never happened in my life. But the way that the enemy works is it wants, he wants to tell you that that's going to happen, even though it's never happened to you before. So literally I saw things like that because in my perspective, whether it's say anxiety or, um, you maybe having like inner turmoil about a relationship or something like that's not from God. Like if you have that unsettling feeling or you're just, whether it's in your gut or in your head, like whatever, like that's not from God. And so I started really paying attention to that. And I just woke up one day and I was like, I'm tired of this because I felt like I was not only boxing myself in, but also boxing God in because what essentially what I was saying is, yeah, I'm just not going to get on an airplane ever again because you're right. It'll probably happen. I'll probably panic and not be able to escape or whatever irrational fear that I was having. And granted, uh, I also did fly in January of this year to go on a trip for my birthday and I was totally fine. So if anybody's wondering how that turned out, I was totally fine. So it's so easy to believe the lies of the enemy all the time and get caught up in that thought cycle. And then, you know, for me, I just got to a point where I was just tired of it. I wasn't even really so much tired of at myself. I was just tired of believing the lies of the enemy and boxing myself in and not living my life. Like, it sounds so simple. That's really what it was. And so I just said, you know what? I, it's literally time to stand up in authority and live my life how God has intended for me to live it, which is not like this because living in fear is literally a sin. Um, and so I, I literally feel like I just woke up one day and I was like, okay. We're just going to take steps to do this. And sure, like I, 
had to build up to like, you know, finally getting on an airplane and stuff. And even talking about it now, it's, it's almost embarrassing in a way. I mean, not really because I know that a lot of people deal with certain things like this, but it was like a very real thing to me. Um, and I was letting it control my life, you know? Um, and so it wasn't really an aha moment, but it was a culmination of a few different things and just taking care of like, whether it was relationships, like I literally reached out to somebody and said, Hey, we never got closure for our situation and it would really help. I think the both of us to do that. And I was terrified to do that. You know, it was somebody that I really cared about and I didn't know how it was going to go. And surely like we, we got to have that closure and we both moved on in our lives. And, uh, funnily enough, I met the person I'm dating now, literally like a week and a day after that happened. Because I truly felt like I couldn't move on until I like kind of took care of that. Um, and it was, it's just all of it's in perfect timing, really, like between the job stuff and relationship stuff. Um, and I feel like if I had kept myself in that box or that bubble or whatever and still believing like all the lies that I was being fed, I would not be where I am now because I would have kept myself there. Or rather, like the enemy would have kept me there. But I, you know, I think that there's a, a misconception too that like if I pray like God will work it out it's like but you also have to put in the effort too it's it's just not gonna like fall in your lap it, you know you got you gotta put your part in I feel like one of the challenges of you know you talked about like the lies of the enemy is that he always tells us things that are half true mm-hmm. you know it's not like all of a sudden he's like well Jacqueline you know you're a brunette and you're like mm-hmm. well I have blonde hair that's not right. true it's and so i feel like that those are at least in my experience have always entrapped me in the sense of something that was meant to be momentary or was momentary in my life like now i'm starting to be tempted of like oh maybe i really am this way forever maybe isn't this, that crazy yeah, how it happens or maybe this really is who i am and or something happens and you know he'll put a period where something needs to be a comma but mm-hmm. you know but god the, yeah. this. so my question for you in the follow-up is is around these lies. And again, I know I'm, I'm teeing you up with these like million dollar questions, hey, but I, it's, I'm it's, more more than about, happy. <laughs> it's more about your perspective. So don't feel the pressure of like having to get the right answer. But how, how in your life have you been able to discern this is a lie and this is actually true? Because I feel like that that's a really interesting place to be and trying to uncover what's a lie and what's a truth? So that's a really good question because I've learned over the years um, dealing with anxiety and some like OCD is that the enemy will attack you where you're most vulnerable and also where you care the most. So specifically, I think for, for me personally, it happens a lot in relationships because if I really care about somebody and I know that for a fact, all these lies will come and be like, well, what if you really don't? And well, what if this happens? And what it's, and so I've learned to pay attention to situations that I'm fully invested in. And I know in certain situations that it's possible, like in an anointed situation that it's going to be so easily, you know, like what's interesting to me is it's so much easier to believe the lies of the enemy than like God's promises for your life why is that? You know, like I wish it was the other way around, but it's because the lies of the enemy threaten to steal the joy that God's like providing you. So I've just learned to pay attention to certain things in life. And like, it's also a feeling too. Like I said earlier, if you feel uneasy, it's like when people say like gut feeling, it's kind of like that. But 
I've learned to sort of figure out what that feeling is, like what it feels like, that gut-wrenching feeling maybe, or if I'm like ruminating over something for way too long and it's taking up a lot of my time in my headspace, that's usually an indicator that it's not of God. Like it's going to be from the enemy and it doesn't make it any easier to necessarily deal with some of those thoughts because you're always going to have thoughts. You're always going to have like negative, positive, whatever. And what I've learned through experience, like the anxiety stuff is that it comes down to what you do with those thoughts. So you can, you know, get a thought that, um, something super negative and you can ruminate on that all day if you really want to. But the only person that's really going to affect is you and you're the one that's going to be losing sleep at night, you know? And so it's like, instead, if you take that and you're just like, okay, that is a negative thought. I'm just going to acknowledge that and just move on, maybe pray about it, that type of thing. But it's really important to not necessarily sit with it because for me, when I had all of those like fearful thoughts, I sat with it. And that's when I saw it start to affect my life. You know, the more we expand what we're believing for our lives, the more we're expanding the opportunity to be disappointed. Mm. And I feel like, cause that's been, a, this year has been a, unfortunately a big year of disappointment for me, but I'm learning to deal with that. And if you can learn that lesson, like you're really set for life. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel like, in your experience, because I know we, so we've talked about a lot today. We've talked about content creation, you know, going freelance for the first time, uh, amending relationships, believing in God in a new and different way. All these these things that are kind of expanding who Jacqueline is, like expanding mm-hmm. who you are, like growing more towards the person you aspire to be by chasing what you're passionate about. But I'm, and I'm sure, and you've, you know, you've, you've talked about actually using the word disappointment, but you've talked about anxiety and all these different things. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel like we can continue to dream for bigger things? How can you feel like we can continue to pray for bigger things and not set ourselves up to be extremely disappointed, disenfranchised, unexcited, screw the God thing. I keep mm-hmm. praying. I don't get the answer prayer. Like how mm-hmm. can we dream bigger but keep going even if those dreams aren't answered. So I think because some of the things I had gone through, some really dark moments, um, you know, those dark moments shaped who I am today. And I know that's cliche. And not to say that there's not going to be other dark moments in my life. Like that, that's just life. But I think because I've seen the growth that has come out of those moments, and honestly, not all of the moments were dark. It's like we, we learn new things every day. And I think that, you know, I've realized over the last couple of years, I feel like a lot of my uh, maturity has come from the last three-ish years, Um, just between experiences that I've gone through. And like, I'm 28 now, so I feel like once you get past like 23, 24, you're like, okay, time to grow up, time to like absorb the information that I'm learning and apply it to life. Um, But like, besides that, I think that uh, even though disappointment will come, like trials will come, that... The, it's all for a reason. doesn't make any of those things less painful or frustrating or disappointing, but there is a purpose for that. And like, I have just learned to believe that God has a plan for everything. And because I've seen a lot of things come to fruition when I thought that they would never truly, like, I was like, I believe in God. I love you, Jesus. You're great. But you're not going to be able to take care of this area of my life. And he was like, watch me. And then I was like, hmm, okay, yeah, well, you did that, but what about this area of my life? Like with the anxiety stuff and 
for the, you know, the beginning of this year, I dealt with that and we're good. Like I still deal with stuff from time to time, but I know how to discern like what it is and like how to deal with it, you know? And then I'm like, okay, well, God, like you'll never be able to figure out like my single life. Like I need to find a husband. Like you'll just never, you know, and I, and I've met somebody now that I like truly believe that I have a future with and all this kind of stuff. And the way that it all happened was just, it happened in ways that, there's no other answer than that it was God. Like, it's just, it's this weird, like, you can't explain it. Like, that's just how a lot of these things happen. And so when things like that come together, then you're like, well, shoot, I should have never doubted you, God, you know? And so whenever I deal with things that are negative or it's a disappointment, I'm always like, okay, like, well, what's, what's really going to happen here? Like, what's, what are you really stirring up? Because I know that there's a purpose in like pain, like in trials. I know I truly wholeheartedly believe that. And so because of that, I feel like I now have a better foundation. And so another reason why I wanted to get baptized this year, um, I feel like I I'm seeing sort of through a new lens, like everything's in like color now, I feel like, because before it was so easy to get discouraged, but now I'm just like, how will I learn from this? Like what is God's ultimate goal in this trial that I'm experiencing because there there is something to be revealed here it's just finding that out and it doesn't mean it's going to be easier that's the thing like it doesn't mean it life is going to be easier right it's not like I got baptized like somebody actually asked me they they asked me now that you're baptized like how's your life different and I'm like I'm so quick to make a joke so I was like well it was weird the other day like I turned water to wine and I walked on water like it's just like they laughed, but actually, no, I just laughed, but they, I told them, I was like, well, it's not like anything like changed. I mean, you know, I think that, well, as far as like, you know, I didn't like come up out of the, the baptismal like pool. And I was just like, here we are, like, we're Christian now. Like, but it was more of a, you know, symbolic, it was a public declaration. And I feel like now you know, it's a, it's a commitment, like you're recommitting your life, you know, and it's not that anything necessarily changed, like what I just said, like, I don't have any superpowers now. But at the same time, I feel like it reaffirmed my faith. And I feel like now I don't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Like, I feel like I'm living my life now, truly like for God, like, and that's really what changed. I mean, was, that was a decision that I made before I got baptized, but the baptism is more of like a significant like marker of that. Why do you feel like we can more easily assume that something bad is going to happen to us than something good? Like, why is it that if you reround time and went back to January 1st, 2020, if you were to tell me, hey, this year a global pandemic or whatever is going to happen and everyone's going to be inside their house for a year or hey this year you're going to make every dream come true you're going to make a million dollars why do you why am i going to more easily immediately go to that a global pandemic something unprecedented you know, had ever happened. Why am i going to assume that's going to be true versus something good? I I think it's a natural defense mechanism. Um, I also am 
deeply wired that way and like i'll think of a worst case scenario before anyone anyone else like i'll walk in a room and i'll be like okay if i'm in this room what's the worst thing that could happen how am i going to escape if it does happen like no who does that i do that and maybe that's why i have anxiety <laughs> but the thing is is it's so much easier for us to go to because if it's something that you're excited about like if you're excited about 2020 because you're like, this is the year that i'm going to go full freelance in video like i was it was so much easier to say okay well if that happens, like, that would be great. That would be really cool. But if it doesn't and this happens, like, it's just, I feel like it's a defense mechanism for, for humans in general to just think of the worst case scenario because we're sort of preparing ourselves for the worst. And then when you think of, well, the worst that could happen is like a pandemic. Okay, well, if that were to happen, like, then what am I going to do? You know, I think it's just human instinct for that to happen. But it is, it's so much easier to believe that stuff and think of like, well, if that does happen, what am I going to do? And all doom and gloom. But I think the difference is like flip your perspective and think, well, what if it was the best year that I've ever had, despite a pandemic and all this other stuff that occurred? And I feel like that's what I did. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I don't want to undermine the bad that's been going on because there's, I mean, this year, I mean, I've been alive 28 years. I can't think of another year that was, I mean, a few other things do come to mind, but I mean, as a whole, I just feel like it was one thing after the other this year, but that's when I just started to think, okay, I can still be concerned about things going on and still stand up for certain things, you know, where I feel that I need to speak or whatever it might be, you know, whether it's politics or what and whatnot, but at the same time, that's why I also felt um, a calling to also dive deeper into my faith at the same time, because I was thinking to myself, well, here are a lot of things I can't control, but what can I control? So last question, and as I said, everyone always gets the last question. As you know, you're on the No More Zero Days podcast. A zero day is where you get nothing done towards accomplishing your goal, your dream, be it being a YouTube drummer, be it wanting to grow closer to God, be it to find Prince Charming, be it to whatever it is that you're hoping for in your life. And unfortunately, I feel like we all get stuck in this. It's either nothing gets done today or it's a 100 day and we're just going to have the best day ever. But what I found in my own self, because I used to live that way and that's what inspired starting this podcast, was to truly be successful in life, it's somewhere between zero and 100 every day. It's truly at least doing something, one thing, towards that goal and then when you look back over the course of a week a month a quarter a year you can add up all these small wins if they weren't a hundred days you know even if you didn't have a hundred day in air quotes the whole year that those are so much better than having zero 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 hundred zero 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 hundred as far as your productivity or, or towards chasing whatever that goal you're believing for so what advice story metaphor scripture whatever you want to put your own personal stamp on would you give to someone who is stuck in this zero day mentality? I think that if you have something that you want to do, you just have to take that first step and go and do something towards that goal. Because like I said earlier at the beginning of this year, I was pretty terrified to step out into the freelance world into video, which is something that I've, I've literally done video since I was 14 or 15 when I started the drum covers and I think that um, also there's this misconception that like I've had people tell me like, oh, I feel like you just have it all figured out. And I'm like, stop looking at social media. 
Like, just stop. Because, like, and that's why I've tried to be more transparent through social media. You know, whether I'm posting, like, pictures or I'm posting drum videos, it's like I'm trying to post something with some insightful information. Because the truth of the matter is, is I didn't have it figured out until this year. I, I really didn't. Like, you know, I was working a nine to five job at a startup company I was really unhappy at. I was uh, in relationships that were unfulfilling. I was, you know, bedridden with anxiety at one point. You know, I, I didn't have it all together. And I, it's not like I have it all together right in this moment either. Like there's still a lot of stuff going on. But if I hadn't taken the first step in all of those areas to, you know, stand in authority and say, hey, I feel like where I'm at now is where God uh, doesn't necessarily want me to be. Like he wants me somewhere different. So how can I take the first step to get there? And so I kind of like did a top down view of all these areas in my life that I just was like stagnant in and I just made changes. Like I literally quit the startup job I was at and like two weeks before the new year, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go freelance. Like I don't even care if it doesn't work out. And I feel like that's a big part of it. If you just kind of, and it's hard, easier said than done just saying, you know what, if I totally fail at this, like, so be it. But honestly, I think that's the answer, you know, <laughs> just like, I was expecting to fail, which I don't recommend doing, but at the same time, because I did that, you know, anything that had happened was beyond my expectations, you know, and I walked into this videography job, not even really knowing what I was doing. Really. I, I didn't even know how to work my camera. I, I, I really didn't. And I grew from it and I made it work. Um, and so I would just say, take that first step, whatever it might be, if you, and also don't set small goals and don't pray general prayers pray very specific things like i have plenty of stories where i've prayed extremely specific prayers and they have come to fruition so um specific prayers big goals because we serve an impossible god like that's what's crazy when you start thinking about that you're like it's not just god like it's God, you know? And so when you start thinking in that mindset and you start praying about things and believing that God is going to provide that for you, it doesn't mean that's going to happen tomorrow. It might not happen in a couple of years. It might not even happen in the way that you wanted it to. But like I said earlier, like you might think you know what you want, but like God knows what you need. And that's really important to remember that. And so I would just all in all say, just take that leap of faith because I'm the biggest baby in the world. Like I was just like, oh, I don't want to do it. I'm just stay in my little box. I just want to like, I'm safe here. But the second that I started like not being unsafe, but literally taking those steps of being like, I'm tired of the way that I'm living. That's when I feel like God opened all these doors. And it was just like a mind blowing moment where I was like, whoa, this is all I had to do that whole time. You know, I <laughs> put everything into perspective. And so um, just don't let fear hold you back.